Hello, I'm Regina Botras and this is Backstage, where we talk with the who's who on stage, in dance, comedy and performing arts, speaking with the leading theatre makers of our times and how they came to the stage and what drives them and inspires them. My guest is Vashti Hughes. She's a writer, actor, and originally trained at the University of Western Sydney, graduating in a BA in performance. She's written and produced self-work, self-produced works that are based in Sydney's local history, currently performing Dinner with Kate Lee, the Gangster Queen, at in Surrey Hills at the Jazzy Cafe Bar and lounging with Doris at the Hollywood Hotel in Doris Goddard's uh, original, well, her home, really, for, um, uh, for a lot of years. Before Dinner with Kate Lee, the Gangster Queen, uh, that's sort of a spin-off from Mum's Inn where she uh, did a cabaret style performance, um, including Kate Lee, but also other wonderful, notorious characters of the times of the 1920s that played at the Bodello Theatre. She's done the Piccolo Tales, which played for six months at the Piccolo Bar and made it to the 2015 Sydney Morning Herald's 10 Best Sydney Shows and nominated for the 2016 Glugs Awards. Uh, She's done heaps of other stuff. She was part of Six Quick Chicks. Uh, She performs in her electronic country band, the Outer Space Cowboys, and loads of other things. Please welcome Vashti Hughes. Hi. Hi. Welcome. Um, so much. And I love that you really kind of hone in on local characters of place. But before we get into that and these shows that you're doing presently, how did you actually come to be a performer? I know you're obviously from a performance family but for those who don't know tell us like a little bit about what it was like growing up um in in your house Mm. well um so my dad was a jazz pianist and so our our house was full of he we had a piano and he would be he would play jazz uh he was also a real jazz aficionado and had a enormous uh jazz collection kind of stuff predating the 50s really lots of swing and uh lots of um blues and uh sort of um big bands and and he played a kind of style called stride piano and we grew up just with this constant really loud jazz thank god we all loved listening (laughs) to um we we all loved listening to it so that was that was like and when i was at school i guess i i did school plays and i had a fantastic Mm. english drama teacher you know one of those i was very very lucky she was brilliant and really um nurtured dramatic talent and uh, there was some amazing people in our years. So we were very, very lucky to have this teacher. And um, she kind of, I guess, because we, we, we did these productions that were so fun and exciting and challenging, really opened my mind. Um, I'm very, very lucky that my, my parents also happily uh, encouraged me to pursue what I loved, which was, um, which was drama 
and theatre. So then I went on to, when I finished school, I went on to University of Western, um, actually first University of New South Wales, and I did theatre studies and we did lots of performances in that. And then I finished that and I felt like, oh, I need to get into one of those acting schools. So yeah. I uh, I auditioned for more, you know, Night of ECA, WAPA, and yeah. got into University yeah. of Western Sydney to be in and did performance studies out there and loved that as well. Yeah. So what about your mum? And there's a, like over the years I've heard a lot about your dad, and, but what did your mum do? Oh. But when I was born... She looked at the financial opportunities for the future and given that my dad was a jazz pianist and a journalist, she um, quite, you know, wisely really thought both of those are a little bit kind of iffy as far as um, regular stability financial income, you know. Yeah, Um, yeah. And the you know, then there were two other sisters born after me and um, so mum actually stopped acting and took up something else that she'd studied, which was physio. And my mum was a physio her whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, like a, an artist's soul and yeah. really encouraged me and encouraged my sister Krista to sing and Chris would sing with dad and we have a younger sister Stephanie Mm. um, who was hugely um, is very talented in the visual arts area Um, Mm. and at school mum was just mum and dad were just like yeah get into that do what you love so we're very very lucky to have parents that encouraged us to do what we love yeah I suppose especially because she um, saw the financial (laughs) issues uh, surrounding the arts and that hasn't changed so much oh. and look it sure hasn't you know you know yeah yeah you know I mean yeah. dad actually did keep being a journalist until like he was over 70 like something like 75 I think 76 77 maybe wow. even when he finally retired mm, um yeah. but yeah you know like as time's gone on you know papers closed down and journalists get shuffled on and yeah mum was kind of right but she's probably you know living through you know her children to some extent I mean that's a horrible thing to say probably but you know like really wanted you to follow it that kind of creative gene like you say yeah so would you say because you've done you do both like you sing and you act and you well you do more than that like and you write and is there one thing that you kind of you know, kind of. It sounds like you like all of them. Obviously, and you try and find a way to integrate them all. Yeah, I mean, I guess the singing, singing more comes in. I'm more comfortable with singing, like when I'm singing in a character, ah. because I'm not really a chanteuse like my amazing sister Krista Hughes, who's you know she's just like one of those voices to die for, and everyone goes, "Oh my god, I wish I could sing like that," including me, of course. Um, but like everyone else, I can't, um, but you know, I still give it a red hot go and I can, I like yeah. singing character. And of course, yeah, uh, in the outer space Cowboys electronic country band, I've, so I've been singing mainly, you know, really mainly the same songs for quite a few years now. So I've nailed them within my range, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, mm. so I feel really lucky that 
I uh, could, can, you know, can be a part of that as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because, I mean, I guess mm. for a while I thought, you, you know, I guess anyone, it's the same for anyone who has a sibling that's particularly, you know, gifted at something. You think, oh, they do that. So why would I bother? Uh, in mm. a way, and then another part of me is like, oh well, you know, sh- sure. So that they they do that, and it's brilliant. But you know, if you enjoy it, it shouldn't stop you from doing it. Yeah, you, know, you do it your own way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you love it, and it gives you pleasure. Yeah, a lot of your work you write really based around the cross, um, and I know you live there. How long have you lived there, and when did you kind of go? This is, this is sort of. I don't know. Is it kind of solidifying your home for you in a way like what drew you to writing the the stories of the locals in the first place yeah I've been living in the cross for 23 years um and I was in Darlinghurst for a few years before that Mm. and I um it was probably about it wasn't till I think it was third. I mean, I loved performing, you know, just in my local area. Um, it didn't really occur to me to write anything about my local area. To, mm. I, I think it was about 15 years ago, actually. Yeah. And there was something came up. It was, I think it was a, uh, one of those Kings Cross Festival things. Do you want to enter in something? I thought, yeah. I, you know, I had been enjoying doing some cabaret and I thought, oh, why not do a cabaret about the cross? Yeah. And I think that's when I wrote um i put together a little cabaret um with a friend of mine trash Vaudeville and um gorgeous Cass, you know amazing singer Cass from alpha yeah. house oh. who now lives in tasmania yeah kath ellis yeah kath ellis yeah and and we put together something about the cross called signs of the cross and we made up these mm. king's cross characters <laughs> well we <laughs> they're all based in real characters Mm. and I just loved it so much. Mm. I particularly loved being Vittorio from the Piccolo Bar, and I think oh, that yeah. sort of started a seed of something. And then not long after that, I, I did this this thing. It was a 1928 American long jazz poem mm. for four actors in a jazz band called The Wild Party, mm. and it was such a hoot, had such a ball. I did it with some of the friends that I'd actually been through Nepean with meant like it was a we'd done it yeah. 20 years ago and I thought let's do that again mm. it was something like that 15 years 15 years ago we'd done it and um I said let's do that again and then it got to the end of that and I thought well that was great to do something about America in the 20s and mm. you know that 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 whole era of prohibition there's something so very attractive about it all yeah and then I was just walking around Willamaloo and I thought well why not write something like we've got all our own fabulous mm. history about the 20s and the 30s in Sydney, um, I was going through Woolloomooloo and I was just walking amongst the houses and, you know, there's terraces and um, yeah. looking at the East Sydney Hotel and just thinking about all the all the stories and characters that have mm. inhabited our streets and walls and homes and thought why not put something together about those kind of characters and then I remember I read the book Razor by Larry Reiter mm-hmm. and uh, which is very it, it's all about the it, it's an incredible um, history of that era with lots of characters in it and that kind of um, inspired me to you know make a make a work about about our own notorious uh, prohibition um, kind of well criminals really they're the ones that kind of um, 
stood out in a dramatic way that people have written about. And uh, yeah, put something together about that. And that was, yeah, that was um, Stories of Mums Inn. Um, and that's all women, right? So, yeah, women. that was, it was Kate Lee, yeah. Tilly Devine, Nellie Cameron. So, Kate Lee and Tilly Devine were the matriarchs of the underworld. They ran the whole place. They, they were both had no education. Mm. They arrived in Sydney with absolutely nothing. Mm. And they both built empires yeah. on either side of Oxford Street, Kate Lee in Surrey Hills, <laughs> wow. and Tilly Devine in Darlinghurst. And they ended up being two of the wealthiest and most powerful people in the whole of Sydney slash Australia <laughs> uh, with all these, you know, gangs working for them. And mm. so, of course, there's something just so um, incredibly attractive about that story. Oh, yeah, so attractive. So tell us about this show and how you've kind of taken so one of these characters from Mum's Inn, uh, Kate Lee, and made it a show of its own, um, Dinner with Kate Lee. I yeah. Guess, I guess um, well, a few years ago there was a Surrey Hills festival and it was at that festival they wanted to try and bring together artists and venues and local history stories. Oh, and yeah. um, they they knew that I'd done this, uh, th- this mm. show in the cross, uh, Mums in Stories from Razorhurst, and they were they also knew that Kate Lee's the last home that she lived mm. in, um, 212 Devonshire Street, was being bought by uh, a couple, Bulgarian couple, who wanted it to turn it into this place called Jazzy Cafe mm. Bar. And they thought, well, why not, you know, maybe they'd, why not bring these people together, me and them, and see if they'd be interested in me performing stories of Kate Lee mm. in their little venue. So, so where the venue is, it's just up the hill yeah. from the Shakespeare Hotel. And they they're like, can you come into our can you come into our joint and be Kate Lee? That would be awesome. Yeah. And uh I and I said <laughs> Of course, I would love to do that. <laughs> I would love to go into Kate Lee's old home and be Kate Lee in her old home and uh, bring Ross with me. And Ross, my partner, had accompanied me on piano when we were mm-hmm. up at King's Cross. They don't have yeah. a piano there. But by this point, he'd gotten really good at banjo. So Ross is in the show with me on banjo. And, uh, yeah, so that was four, about three or four years ago, I think. So we did we did a little something in there. And then for the festival and then the following year, they said, hey, you know, we really love that, the, um, Nina and Jordan, do you want to come and do this again? And we, we had such a ball and such a blast. And they said why don't we do this regularly? So mm. we've been doing, we've been there semi, semi-regularly semi over the last year. You know, a little bit of COVID got in the way, of course. Uh, but then once that was, once we were all allowed out again, Ross and I have been in there uh, kind of once a month. And uh, with our friend Dale Truman, who's actually a magician, Oh. And he's a criminal as well in a snowy Mackenzie, and he makes beer appear, and <laughs> no, he makes beer disappear, <laughs> and cocaine appear. <laughs> so uh, he's he's great, 
And so there's the three of us and we've been, yeah, the three of us have been getting together there kind of monthly over the last year and absolutely loving it and having little intimate audiences of 20 people um, who who uh, embrace the idea of also being in Kate Lee's old home. Mm. Who? So tell me, like, what you found out about her on that kind of personal level, like trying to do you sort of embody her kind of spirit and like what you know what are you kind of is she she's a powerful obviously powerful woman of the of the times when it was done so you know like something about her personality what is what is she who how is it to play her super fun yeah (laughs) she's she's such a uh like she's apparently she wasn't actually a tall woman but she was larger than life she walked around with a big black hat she had this black limo that um she'd get chauffeur driven (laughs) around in and I guess you know she'd come from nothing herself and Mm. when she arrived in Surrey Hills from the country uh Dubbo uh, as a as a young woman who'd actually mm. um had a really she'd actually uh been taken from Dubbo by the police and sent off to Parramatta Girls Home where she would have oh. had a horrendous few years, mm. uh, got out of got out of that experience and then arrived in Surrey Hills as many people did who had nowhere else mm. to go, and Surrey Hills at that point was just mm. a massive slum. Um, pretty you know rife with people I mean of course there were you know hard-working people there were lots of families who were all packed into houses um there were there were criminals because that's all people had to Mm. keep keep themselves going uh because there weren't jobs because it was the depression and so she kind of had to find her place in this very uh quite a I guess a a complicated slum Mm. and it you know she kind of found her people I guess it was also a place where there weren't judgments there were people on the fringes that could find a way in there and it was uh, you know she sort of did start out running with criminals really and I remember she first went to jail for something called the Everly Railway heist which was the first the first robbery in Australia that was done with a car. Now she wasn't actually part of the heist, but she did, she was an alibi for somebody who was driving the car Yeah, (laughs) and she, she lied in court Mm -hmm. for them. And then they found out that she had lied. So she got sent to jail for years, which is very, sounds a bit rough to me. It was while she was in jail that she thought of this great idea to make Surrey Hills her mm-hmm. area uh, a place mm-hmm. where people could come and buy alcohol after 6 p.m because the uh, prohibition laws came in australia while she was in jail which meant mm-hmm. that every all the bars had and pubs had to close at 6 p.m so when she got out of jail she bought up all these little all these little bolt holes in surrey hills and she uh outfitted them to be sneaky secret bars and she sold booze in them for, you know, double the price, triple the price. Okay. And she, at one time at her height, I think she had 22 of them going. 
Uh, she became very, 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 very wealthy off doing mm-hmm. it. And she could employ people from Surrey Hills. And then she could also, she she liked to be generous to the people of Surrey Hills. So, you know, if people had, you know, troubles with money, like you'd go to her and say, can you help me out? Mm-hmm. And as often as not, she would. Uh, she said she liked mm-hmm. to give back to the community. Okay. So, um, yeah, she's kind of this really interesting and interesting mm. mixed character. She was funny. Um, yeah. And kind of rough as guts. She was tough, mm. uh, very clever, even though she had yeah. no education. She was very, very, very smart. Um, she was competitive, very competitive with Tilly Devine, who was her mm-hmm. nemesis, and they were always trying to outdo each other. Uh-huh. Uh, she ended up being a mother um, of Eileen, her daughter, and she ended up being Queen of Surrey Hills, and she mm-hmm. loved that. She loved that, you know, being the big <laughs> person in Surrey Hills that people think, you know, she's running yeah. the joint. Yeah, so great. So are you telling, like, so you mentioned that story of the Everly heist. Is that kind of the sense of what you're doing? You have these sort of stories with from within her life that create this sort of feeling of her? Is that how it's written? Yeah, I don't tell that particular story, but oh. all the stories that I do tell, yes, are interesting kind of stories of her life over 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 her entire life. So she didn't end up living at 212 Devonshire Street until right at the end of her life. Right. Um, she used to live in a big terrace around in mm. Riley Street before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, in the end, as happens to many criminals, she got yeah. done in by the tax department because oh. she'd never paid her taxes. Oh. So after this life of being incredibly powerful and, and incredibly rich, right at the very end everything got taken away from her and she was poor again Mm. and the this house which actually she had used to run as a very successful slide grog shop Mm. by the time it got to the 1950s it wasn't that anymore it was actually a fruit and veg shop that was run by her nephew billy Bean. and he in the end when she was almost destitute he said why don't you just live upstairs and i'll keep the fruit and veg going and so it's interesting because it's it's I do it as a mix over time. It's it's more about her life in her heyday than her life at the end. Mm-hmm. But I try to um, I try to sort of in, include it all. It's not really linear. It goes um, in and out of times. What a character and sounds just yeah. It sounds perfect. A way to do it, sort of from maybe even her end of her life looking back at all the things that she did, which takes us to Doris. Got because she lived upside of the upstairs, sorry, of the Hollywood hotel um, up until the end. And that's the other show you've got going on at the moment. So um, take us into this other world of, um, I guess, a different kind of um, female story, woman's story. I know. It's so funny. They're both from Surrey Hills. You know, one's in living in Devonshire Street, yeah. the other one's in Foster Street. They both live above the venue. <laughs> so um That's great. And but but yeah, both um and both are real characters. Well look, both mm. of them ran both of them were uh running their own businesses, right? Like Doris yeah. so Doris Doris Goddard ran the Hollywood Hotel for many years. She only died a few years ago. 
Mm. And uh, again, like a kind of a larger than life character. She was, um, she loved being at the bar. Mm. She loved talking to yeah. people. She uh, she was a real character. She actually performed in her own in, at the Hollywood Hotel yeah. herself on oh, Friday yeah. nights for many years. She'd pull out the guitar and she'd written her own songs and was um, a cabaret singer. And then she'd get other musicians mm. to come along. And, and then it ended up being there were music nights there and the music nights are still going now, thank to Taff Gregory, who's yeah. um, really kept that kept that spirit alive of Doris. Yeah. And but before Doris did all of that, Doris was a movie star. Uh, yeah. In she she left Australia in the 1950s to try her luck in London, and I um, spent a bit of time in Hollywood as well, seeing if she could crack it as a movie star. Mm. Um, and, well, yeah, in the film industry. And yeah. so where I where I perform is in the back room mm. of the Hollywood Hotel and it's surrounded by all, there's so many photos of all these different films that she did. There's um, smaller roles with Bob Hope, Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. Um, I think there's even a photo of her with Groucho Marx somewhere. She was oh. a real character, but the the film that I do is uh, called We Geordie, and that was her feature film, nineteen fifty four, that she starred in, and we reenact that film. And um, I've taken the, I've watched <laughs> it and taken the the scenes that she's in, uh, written them down into you know script format, and then I play Doris's part, and I hand out I hand out the scripts for uh, to people in the audience to get up and. And we reenact the scenes and then we watch the movie at the end with Doris's scenes in it and that's a really beautiful Aww. special night. How lovely. That is so lovely. Do, do you have any trouble getting people to read the lines or get up or be part of it? Look, it, it, it's really funny because people have been mainly eager to join in but it's really bad if I pick somebody who doesn't have their glasses with them. <laughs> I've, I realized that doesn't work very well. <laughs> and pick somebody else who literally, who actually can read the words on the page. Um, so yeah, that's been the only problem. Okay, okay. Like whether people have had any acting experience or not, they throw themselves into the roles oh, with gusto, and it is so hilarious. Kate Lee, obviously, is quite musical with. The banjo with Ross and the banjo, right? And I'm assuming it's sort of written in text and song, and that's a guess. And is this one just completely text? Like, what is it kind of the st structure of of the works? Kate, so Kate Lee, it's um, kind of intimate. I guess it's kind of theatre cabaret mm, okay. format. So mm. it's story stories and songs. So I've written the yeah. music. I've written music that Kate Lee, that, that I sing in the character of Kate Lee about her world, but um, it's mainly, t it's sort of text broken up with songs uh, okay. and music written in the in the feel of the day. Mm. Um, so that, and it's kind of, yeah, that intimate, intimate, intimate cabaret. Yeah. Uh, uh, which is then also broken up by the snowy Mackenzie coming in with a different yeah. kind of cabaret form of more, his, his skills are actually magic based and mine are theatre based. Mm. And then there's me and mm. Ross and Ross on banjo. Yeah. Whereas the, the, and the Doris one is just, um, so I'm in the character 
of yeah. actually the character that Doris plays in the film, which yes. is Helga, who's a Danish oh, yeah. shot put Olympian thrower. <laughs> and uh, I, when I get people up from the audience, they're literally getting up and being handed the script yeah. uh, to join in, in the roles of the characters around Held, Helga as she goes from um, travelling from Scotland to the Melbourne Olympics <laughs> to take part in the, in the Olympics. <laughs> and um, she, she falls in love with Geordie who is uh, a, um, a thrower, hammer thrower, champion Scottish hammer thrower. Um, and, yeah, so this is all done through the, just everybody reading off scripts, film script. Wow. And that's – sorry, go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's no, that, that's not really a musical experience. It's oh. more just like we're all reading the script but we're yeah. enacting the script. We're standing up, enacting the script. I have a couple of points in the room where we move to move the scenes to and from. And then mm. after that, we actually we, we, we project the film that we've just enacted against the back wall, and we and people can. It, it's really beautiful to see the scenes replayed in the original film with Doris and see her and hear her voice, and also for people to see the characters that they just played in this beautiful yeah. 1950s <laughs> film. Sounds like loads and loads of fun. <laughs> it is it's always it's always really hilarious and yeah. and again like that's also both both rooms are small like they they both only fit 20 people so the yeah. experience feels very um it, it's sort of you know intimate and kind mm. of exciting to be in a in a small intimate space yeah yeah i really it, i love that is. that vibe yeah well terrific and you're also playing Outer Space Cowboys soon, including, does it say, a Danga Island? Yes, it does wow. say. Wow. Well, Vashti, do you want to tell us the dates you're playing? There are quite a few. So we're on at the dock next Thursday, which is the 25th. That's the yep, Outer Space yep. Cowboys. And Dinner with Kate Lee, the Gangster Queen, we're on. Our next one is June the 3rd, and that, that's a Saturday night, and August the 12th. And you can get that's a ticketed event, and it's like a dinner show. We have um, there's an antipasto place before the show, and there's <laughs> dessert after. And the tickets for that are at Eventbrite Dinner with okay. Kate Lee, the Gangster Queen. So that's um, Kate Lee, sorry, Hill Show. And then the Doris Show, that's not till that's a Wednesday, June the 21st. And um, that's a free event, and that's just turn up at the Hollywood Hotel at eight o'clock, uh, June the twenty-first, Wednesday. But um, yeah, no, I'm, so, I'm I'm really excited about the next the next couple of Kate Lee shows, June the third and August twelfth, where where we're, um, we're, and we 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 like to change it a, a little bit each time as well, and add add a little bit of extra extra vision, extra history for each one. Excellent. So you can keep having that. I'm learning how to play the word. How fun. <laughs> Ashley, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much.